everybody i'm peter and i had a very similar tumultuous family gathering over the holidays as sabine he's still hitting me with sticks it's mike welcome to rebels rebels the podcast that explores the star wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the star wars animated series rebels Ooh. i finally fixed that intro i always say <laughs> star wars rebels I'm like, every time i look like, I say that. <laughs> good job bud really trying to shorten it up my holiday was fine with us today <laughs> i am fine holidays are fine holidays yeah. are fine they're fine i feel fine about it. i have nothing to say about holidays left yeah. or right I'm tell my out. wife i said hello hi <laughs> to mom um i'm gonna introduce the guest this week sorry peter you usually do this with us care. this week i'm not hurt at all i don't give a crap I don't do you care. have a do you have like a wiki thing <laughs> written for him <laughs> i don't have a no, I really don't care. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Do you have like a thing written for him? Or I mean, you already heard his voice. With us, um, you can see him, but you can't see him anywhere. You can read, you can hear him on our D&D episodes, which are going through an interesting, uh, going to be going through an interesting evolution um, pretty soon. That's all I'll say about that. That's what uh, I call a tease. Oh, I feel it. I feel teased. <laughs> Chris Sanchez. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, welcome back. This is super. This is kind of like, this is kind of a one-two uh, punch of an episode. You were on our last episode, and we we're just mm-hmm. like, hey, what's Chris up to? Let's get his voice back on this well, thing. Well, actually, doing? let's be honest about it. It was it was a text because I don't want Crystal to be offended. We were just having a text <laughs> message conversation. We're like, hey, let's talk this Sunday about like the D and D stuff because we're gonna plan some stuff out. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, why don't you just come on the show because you're gonna be here. Fair. Yeah. And that's what I call a tease. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to jump into this. I'm caffeine. I'm caffeinated. I'm ready to go. I just ate some oatmeal. So I'm just like feeling that fiber pump. <laughs> yeah. You had caffeinated oatmeal. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're going <laughs> to shit the brick. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I am ready to jump into this. Chris, are you ready to jump into this? Oh, I'm so ready. Mike, are you ready to jump into this? I'm ready. Let's do this. So let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode 13 of season four. I say that with a question mark. <laughs> it is episode thir- 14. Season 3, uh, episode 14. Yes, that's right. Legacy of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Quick recap. Sabine, Ezra, Kanan, and Rao. Side note, zero Hera, zero <laughs> Zeb for two episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. Travel from Adelon to Cronus to lobby Sabine's estranged family for support. But they're not met with open arms. Sabine is still considered a traitor to her family. She both left the Empire and the Wrens, who are the Wrens now sworn allegiance, and helped construct a super weapon that was used against all of Mandalore. Sabine says she didn't know, but hmm, 
<laughs> Sabine gives her mother, Countess Ursa, the Darksaber and learns that her father is being held hostage. In the midst of their arrival, Ursa sells out the Jedi to Gar Saxon, an Empire-sympathetic Mandalorian, in exchange for Sabine's safety. Saxton, however, immediately goes back on his words and says he will sell out Clan Wren to the Empire. Clan Wren and the rebels fight back against the Imperial collaborators and wielding Ezra's lightsaber. Sabine engages in one-on-one combat with Saxon and the Darksaber. Sabine emerges victorious, but as she turns her back from him and Saxon prepares to shoot her in the back, Countess Ursa is able to stop him. She shoots back. Mm. And in the process, mends the broken family ties with her daughter. Sabine and Rao decide to stay behind on Cronus. And for Sabine to find the one person who is truly worthy of leading her people into war against the Empire. Mm. A mother's love, right? I wish my mom would shoot someone for me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, you probably give, would. give her a gun and, and get in a sword fight and maybe she will. Yeah, she probably would, honestly. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't even start the fight. You should just shoot yeah. them. Yeah. I, uh, this is so interesting. We are, you know, on Rebel, we are not talking about The Mandalorian. Of course, we're going to bring it in, but we're not doing recap mm-hmm. or review episodes because there's so many out there. And there's so many good ones, and we're just kind of enjoying it without getting analytical. Kind of yeah. my thing. Shout out to Geeky Bubble and What the Force, two friends of ours. They're doing awesome recaps on The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, and also the Mandalorian is a great oh, one. Oh yeah, uh, Star Wars, Star Wars Minute. Minute. They've been on the podcast. Mm, that's definitely great. the definitely the one I'm listening to. It's very, yep. it's it's a little more casual, which I like. Anyways, <laughs> but there's a lot of Mandalorian in this, obviously, which is fun to watch in tandem with the new Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of on the mind as we're listening, as you're listening to us. The fifth episode just came out this weekend. I got to talk much about it, but no. you know. Yeah, it's really cool because my wife's actually really into The Mandalorian. I know yeah. Baby Yoda has a lot to do with that, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's 100%. Yeah, it's why my wife too. will watch it, too. <laughs> Probably why I still watch it, too, to be yeah. honest. Do you, um, do you, oh, wow. I'm Wow, Peter, we have not talked about it at all. I know. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. I, um, I just, I'll, I'll say one thing about it, okay. and it's, it's so good. I've stopped reading Star Wars books and reading Star Wars comics because this is what I've been looking for in Mm. universe for so long that I'm like, oh, here it is. This is what I've wanted for years. I can stop reading books and comics and looking for it. Yeah, that's great. It is pretty fun. Um, But she sat down and watched these two episodes with me because she just kept asking about, do you want to know more about Mandalorian culture and kind of like things like, oh, are they really that good at Warriors? Oh, like, blah, blah, blah. how's this work? How's this work? Hey, let's watch these two episodes. And it ended up being a super, super good supplemental text. So that's that's our pro tip for you. If you want to get deeper in the world of Mandalore, these two episodes are fantastic. And there's also mm-hmm. some fun arcs in Clone Wars that will help you kind of parse this. So that's the Peter cool tip for this week. Mm, great. I love that. <laughs> So let me lay out the theme and then open up the conversation. This is Mm -hmm. a loose theme. Um, So bear with me for a minute. The theme for this episode is survival of the fittest. While I really like this episode, it has a bit of a muddled message, which I think is the problem. Not everything has to have a message. Sometimes a story is just a story and it is for each person to decide 
what they will, if anything, take from it. You don't have to take anything. You can just enjoy something. But, you know, as we are being intentionally analytical, I was looking for a theme and kind of not super finding a solid one that was uniting everything. But Survival of the Fittest felt like it. So this is basically set up to say this episode's theme feels especially subjective to me. But I believe that social Darwinism is at the root of it or is at the very least what makes Sabine's return and her family mending a success. So let me recap why I think that Mm. Saxon has strong armed clan Ren uh, with threat and the capture of their father. It keeps clan Ren in line and at bay when push comes to shove and the deal is off. it, It is Rao who must intervene with a totally badass bust through the wall and shoot him up approach. When Sabine refuses to follow Mandalorian tradition and finish off Saxon, it is Sabine's mother, the aptly named Mama Bear Ursa, to do the job, without which Sabine would be dead. She tried pacifism, but like her approach is it's not working. Um, It doesn't, it's not the Mandalorian way. And it's kind of naive. Like it's like this whole like kid returning super enlightened as a teenager from their like back on Christmas break from their first year at university, like full Mm -hmm. of idealism and totally blind to reality. Um, Mom had to step in and be like, okay, I guess I'll do it for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then finally, when Fen Rao notes that Mandalorian Mandalore will descend into chaos after word spreads of Saxon's death, who's this puppet kind of leader Ursa counters that chaos might be necessary to make the clans reclaim their former strength and produce a true leader that is necessary if they wish to show that they can be strong against the empire. All of Mm -hmm. these things and methods are like total survival against the fittest, not the most intellectual or pacifist approach. Uh, But in the job, I mean, in the end, sorry, it gets the job done. And so that's why this week's, this episode's theme is survival of the fittest. Ooh, I like that. Tracks. I love the connection with uh, Ursa and Mama Bear too. I didn't even think about that connection. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's mm. great. So jumping into this, I've seen some confusion about this. I'm not just saying that. I've actually seen like people on Twitter like being showing a picture of Concord Dawn, be like, "What happened to the planet Mandalore?" and like comparing it to Clone Wars when it was intact and. You know, people talking a lot about the planet of Mandalore. So it is quite confusing. So here is Peter's primer on Mandalore. So Mandalore is not just a planet. It's not just a system. It is a sector. So there is, it's the Mandalore sector is made up of many systems and there are many planets within those systems. The last, Pablo Hidalgo said there's close to a thousand planets in the Mandalore sector. So we, when they're talking about the Mandalorian people, they're spread out all over the place. Um, They are not part of the Republic. They're in the Outer Rim, but they're kind of on the inner part of the Outer Rim. It held strategic significance because it was located between Coruscant and most of the other Outer Rim territories via a major hyperspace route called the Hydrian Way. This route goes right through Mandalorian space, which is the reason why it has been the source of so many conflicts in galactic history. Um, a lot of people have made this um, this connection to Spartans of our reality, um, kind of being in a significant area of conflict. The Spartans were trained from a very young age as a warrior people, 
And so that's kind of what happened with Mandalorians. There's just so much conflict, so much war, so many people trying to fight over this hyperspace route that they have just become a culture that from birth you are becoming a warrior and you are training, and that is why they are so B.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so the capital of Mandalore is a domed city named Sindari, which is located on the planet Mandalore in the Mandalore system. So there is a planet, there is a system. This planet, Mandalore, is the ancestral home of the Mandalorians, but in the Old Republic times, they spread out and conquered all of that those thousand systems in their general vicinity, creating the Mandalore sector. So that is a little bit of history of the colonization of the Mandalore sector and why there might be some confusion, because we actually go to quite a few different planets that Mandalorians call home, whether it's Conquered Dawn or Mandalore, or now, as you said, this is the ancestral home of the Wrens. It's called, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a weird name. I think I heard them say Cronist, um, but it's spelled like known, K-R-O-W-N-E-S-T, but I think it's pronounced Cronist. This is the ancestral home of Clan Wren, and it is located in the new claimant system which is part of the mandalore sector so hopefully that clears a little bit up for some people yeah so i gotta ask what's with the helmets do they take the helmets off do they leave the helmets on (laughs) it's it's totally inconsistent with like the mandalorian the mandalorian show i think yeah i don't i i am totally on board for like taking the mandalorian the show as like the source of truth um, and being like they never take them off and I have to think that it's simply because it's a kid show and they're like if everyone's in helmets no one's going to know what's yeah. going on well I have two theories that because there are so many Mandalorians at this point in time um, there's a lot of different factions of Mandalorians um, as you'll remember in Clone Wars you know there is Death Watch and then there was um, oh, what's her name Satine, uh, the Duchess Satine, mm-hmm. her people were pacifist Mandalorians and they didn't wear any sort of armor at all. Mm, and so, this is the way. yep. And so I think there's, there's two, two things in my head that I've been thinking about with this question is either one, there's a certain sect of Mandalorians that are more fundamentalist. Maybe it's more of like a religious thing. Like they said, my armor is my religion. This is the way, like that sounds very religious to me. So for them, they never take their helmet off because in the presence of another person because that's part of their religion basically. And so that's a certain subsect of Mandalorians that don't apply to the Wrens and the other ones we meet in the animated series. The it's like their magic thing. underwear basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They're, they're just Mormons. <laughs> they're space Mormons. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, the other thing is that they talk about the purge and I get the sense that in after return of the Jedi, there are a lot less Mandalorians and there was some sort of genocide that happened to them. And that's why the Mandalorians we see in the show, the Mandalorian are refugees and they only go out one at a time. And so maybe that's a new rule for their society, for the remaining Mandalorians to protect themselves from whatever force purged them originally. They always need to be on guard. So they never, ever take their armor. That's a new rule. Maybe. Hmm. Those are, those are just my theories. None of that is canonically supported. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that gets explained a little bit more. And knowing Dave Filoni, I feel like it, it probably will. Mm. Until yeah. then, I'm just going to assume they're a cult. 
<laughs> I like that too. Yeah. This is the way. Yeah. So they, <laughs> very culty in that little enclave. I yeah. love that. I love the cult religious ex- aspect of it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, little trivia in this episode, I learned a little fun fact. I didn't know that the hole that the droids sit in, like on spaceships, like where you see Chopper on Fandom 2, is called the Astromech Socket, which sure. I think is cute. Um, but the other fun thing I found out is that the Phantom can't enter hyperspace without a droid attached, which seems like a weird feature. Yes, yeah, so uh, Chopper has to ride on the roof all the time. Yeah, or else he can't go into <laughs> hyperspace. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, just a little fun fact. Interesting. Yeah, not opposed to it. Yeah, this is also yeah. the first. droids ride on the top of the bus. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that seems problematic, but there's a lot of problematic things in this series. I know, just keep, they just keep coming one after the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, too, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time we've You're heard... You're wrong. Oh, oh sorry. Man. Okay, I'm wrong. Um, this is the first time at least we've heard Sabine speak Mandoa. Yeah, do you know what? It's the most Mandoa ever spoken in any Star Wars thing mm, ever. It is cool. an insane amount. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And it sounds really boring it's interesting it's you know only because they don't put on there's no accent it's interesting when harris speaks um it's like all of a sudden she turns french um which makes sense though it's a different language you have a different accent but when they speak mandoa it's like you know me speaking you know i don't speak spanish so if all of a sudden i started speaking spanish but didn't try to take on the accent Mm -hmm. i'd be like hola (laughs) yeah i totally get you yeah that's how it sounds i don't know yeah, I wrote a passage of what she said, and I'm going to try to say it, which will be fun. Say it's so, vani- say it's so vanilla. It's funny. Well, that's how she kind of says it. And that's how but she says it, if you look at yeah. it, it kind of looks like Klingon, yeah. so which, but in Klingon, they're like, rock up, <laughs> so like they really <laughs> put some emphasis into it. Um, so, so she says, oh, I'm going to butcher this. This is so bad. <laughs> she says, Sukui Alet Ren, Ibik Sabine Ren, Anoravar Gedei Mivar Tigar. So that dialogue is translated as Hailing Clan Ren. This is Sabine Ren on approach. Please respond. And then the ver- voice on the other end says Elik Sabine Ren K Parar, which is translated as Copy Sabine Ren Standby. And then they come out and blow her up, which is kind of funny. Yeah. They go so polite. Nope, here's some missiles. Did, did you guys ever play The Old Republic? Yeah. First yeah. One? Uh, remember that side quest when there's like a stowaway on your ship and it's like this little slave girl and she's speaking broken Mandoa? No, I don't. Yeah, it's been like, a while since I played it. It's been a while <laughs> since I played that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's like speaking broken Mandoa. So you have to like play charades with her and kind of like <laughs> learn the broken phrases that she's using. It's super fun. Oh, that's cute. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, we are on the planet Cronist, which is the ancestral home of Clan Wren. She doesn't get a very, very f- nice welcome, but they kind of crash land and hide. Fen Rao hides out and they go to Sabine's very hip Silicon Valley house called the Stronghold. That is, that's so funny that you say that. Cause I right? both thought that I both was, I both thought like, Hey, I work in that building. And also <laughs> I was like, this is going to be awesome. 
last weekend it was raining here and we were just like looking for movies to watch and there was a twilight marathon <laughs> and both my wife and i had never seen them it was real. Do you know what? It was honestly really fun to watch. We we had a day that. where we watched ten hours of Twilight. Yeah, and I've I, now I know everything about Twilight. It's awesome. And so um, and they the Collins have a home in the and it looks exactly like that. And I was like, hey, it's the Collins home. Yeah, and I'm like, it's so sick that I can even name them now. <laughs> Everyone, stay totally- tuned for the Sparkle Sparkle podcast. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh that's such a good name it's so sick it oh. is such a sick movie i'm totally getting a t- I'm not even joking i want a team jacob tattoo now <laughs> no. where it's like a real shitty wolf on my shoulder team jacob. i don't know Oh no! <laughs> I like how he just turns into like a big like regular wolf. Like I know. Werewolf. <laughs> he like turns into like a golden retriever. I'm like, oh, that's not that. <laughs> he turns into a corgi. Yeah, yeah just a big corgi. <laughs> yeah. God, I could do a whole podcast on that show. Uh, I'm yeah. sure there is. Yeah, that'll be. You guys can have a side podcast, the Sparkle Sparkle podcast, like Chris said. I like that. Sparkle yeah. Boys. Sparkle Boys, Sparkle boys with a Z. I'm totally in for it. Sparkle yeah. Boy. For Sounds like a, yeah, it's like a boy band, basically. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, this is a very, it felt very out of place for me in Star yeah. Wars. Like, it doesn't seem like a Star Wars. It looks uh-huh. like if you watch Silicon Valley, like every time they go to like a rich D bag's house, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um. But it has a cool name. It's the Ren Stronghold, which I like. Um. Is that cool or is that just like so lazy? No, I love it because it's like you hear Tristan go. He's like, he's like, we'll bring you back to the stronghold, and then we'll see. Like, can you imagine if you called your house the stronghold? <laughs> he's like, hey, I got to run to the stronghold and let my dog out to pee. Mm. Okay, Damn, that's sick. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, but this... I don't know why it's not called the like this like the wren nest or something. <laughs> that's way <laughs> labor. <laughs> like they should have just called it the crow's nest. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> um, the look of this house actually was inspired by something in the real world. The real world it. Seattle or the real world Vegas? <laughs> Good one. Good one. Um, <laughs> um, it is inspired by the aesthetics of architect Frank Lloyd Wright's prairie style of design, which is the architectural design style of the Big Rock Campus on Skywalker Ranch which is where the animation department was housed before they moved to San Francisco. Mm. So I guess this was kind of like a, like a modern office, like you mentioned earlier, Mike. Yeah. Interesting. The Wren office. The yeah. Wren. Um, there's also some, uh, another real world inspiration. You see when we go into the throne room, there's a big portrait of Ursa Wren. That's pretty cool. It, yeah, it is cool. in the great hall. And that was, uh, styled after notable artist Gustav Klimt. Totally um, notable. Which I was not super familiar with, but I put a picture. If you look at my notes, I sent it to you, to y'all. You can see the painting that they used to inspire this portrait, and it's pretty cool. And I li- kind of like how they how they did that. Um, hmm. Yeah, I like so, that very like Spartan. Uh, helmet design very different than boba fett where it's just kind of rounded at the eyes oh yeah i like how she has um like batman ears Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um but before we get to the helmet so if people want to look it up look up gustav klimt g-u-s-t-a-v 
K L M I. I'm not gonna. I'll edit that out. I don't <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. I don't do your best. That. that was. <laughs> believe that. That was weird. Ask Siri. Yeah, Gustav Klimt, and the the painting is called "Woman in Gold." So look up that painting, and that is what inspired that the portrait. Woman in gold. It's pretty beautiful. I really like it. Klimt. That's yep. a tight name. I feel like I want a friend named Klimt. Yo, Klimt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I bet all his friends called him by his last name. <laughs> um, so we meet most of the Wren family. I say most because we do not see Papa Wren. No, you didn't say most. You said most. Too much yeah. oatmeal. I've yeah, too out. much oatmeal. I've got oatmeal mouth. <laughs> oh, classic you know, OMM. Yep. You know what we say about when you eat too much oatmeal? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you get oatmeal mouth? Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have a feeling this is going to be another weird one. I, yeah, I was about to say something inappropriate and I really wheeled it in. So Thanks. I appreciate well, thank you. that. Yeah. <laughs> my delicate ears can't handle it right now. Um, but out of the three, there's two members of the family we see. The third one is Aldrich Wren, who we will not meet yet. But we meet Tristan, Sabine's younger brother. Also, named- just LOL that his name is Tristan. Like yeah. Tristan, because that is such like a, I don't know. I don't know. Like such a twilight name. Sure. Yeah, it is. Right? Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Also, people were super thirsty for Tristan when this episode came out. I, I so was looking up simply because his name is Tristan. Yeah. Like you can't name someone Tristan casually. Like every Tristan <laughs> I know is like blonde hair, like plays lacrosse, like yeah. got a scholarship at Stanford. I saw multiple places on Reddit and like Twitter and stuff like that when this episode originally came out where people were like, Tristan's so hot. Oh my gosh. I'm like, dang. Awesome. Really? Because he kind of just, yeah. never mind. <laughs> I'm really filtering. I know. I feel like you're really locked and loaded today, Mike. I know. You can edit right. it out. I was basically going to say, he basically <laughs> just looks like a Nazi. He's like just everything, blonde hair. Blue eye, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Edit that out. <laughs> Wait, he has black hair. And, like, oh, who brown am I thinking eyes. of? I don't know. Tristan's his brother. Her brother. Yeah, the one he meets. She meets like right away. Yeah. Oh, why do I picture him with? That was just hair? a fever dream you had. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you have like, like color dysmorphia or something? That's yeah, cool. I just looked up a picture of him. He has black hair and brown eyes. <laughs> yeah. Is his hair black or gold? Yeah, and he's like kind of tan. Like he's very foreign looking. Not it's like, like the dress. Not Nazi-ish mm. at all. Mm. Yeah, edit that out. I no, I think com- I might keep it. I feel, I, feel like I feel uncomfortable about calling anyone a Nazi, so. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll send you a picture so you can get a refresher on who I'm talking about. Mm. So we meet Tristan, the younger brother of Sabine Wren. Tristan. You changed your hair again. You know me. Do I? Who are the Jedi? They're my friends. I'll explain everything. I promise. I'll take you to the stronghold, but I can't vouch for how you'll be greeted. He has become an Imperial Super Commando, which you were not on this episode with us, but we did watch an episode all about the Imperial Super Commandos with Jonah Marie Masius. How do you feel about the Imperial Super Commandos now that we have you on the pod? Um, I mean, jetpack troopers have been like a mm-hmm. thing for in the expanded universe for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're so they're just now getting into the canon, which yeah. I feel like is a little bit late. Yeah, honestly. it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like, well, I think you, we saw in the trailers for Rise of Skywalker where it, we might see our first movie. Yeah. Jetpack rock, uh, stormtroopers, which will be pretty tight. I want the bubble force field now. <laughs> the bubble force field from like, Battlefront. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just canonize. Just I mean, it's canon because it's Battlefront, but mm-hmm. I just want all that stuff. Well, the Gungans had the bubble force field too. Hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can we can we talk about that scene from the Rise of Skywalker? The, the, they fly now. Yep, they fly now. <laughs> that's straight up taken from. Um, that's pretty much taken from the episode Imperial Super Commandos in Rebels. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Again, that's another thing about Rebels foreshadowing the new series. But yeah, Ezra says a line that's like, I don't think it's. I honestly do not think it's foreshadowing. I think it's just poaching. Yeah. Well, I think I like the point that. Um, that uh, Marie Claire said when she was on the podcast is I don't think it's like, I think it actually does make a lot of sense. I've been thinking about a lot and finding a ton of connections that it is kind of foreshadowing. I I think that a lot of times they Mm -hmm. introduce things before the movies into rebels and some of the other animated series to kind of get like kids, especially used to some of these concepts, like the force connection that we talked about in that episode. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily like this is, like we got to introduce flying stormtroopers in this because the kids are going to be confused in Rise of Skywalker. So this one might have been more poaching, but I do think it is notable that they did first show up in the animated series. They went from Legends to the animated series to the real mo- to the actual movies, which feels like a very natural progression to me. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. I I hope I I really doubt there's that level of thought. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of thought. But that kind, I, I, I really doubt, um, is going on. Yeah. Where well, I, 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 I think, think I, there is maybe not like that straightforward, but I think like maybe I just, it's. Yeah. I think it's like the testing ground almost. Like, all right, let's introduce flying stormtroopers and see how it works in the animated series. Well, that's what I and think. Get people yes. used to it, and then they'll bring that over if they think it was successful into the and, more. And I think that was popular thing. Yeah, and in that episode we were talking about, I think that's what I was saying too. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it's 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 a the tamp there's they're sampling a smaller population size before rolling it out to a much larger audience where you don't have that kind of room to play yeah that's what i think these shows are for is that how do you like this like try this and if there's a good response they go cool let's roll that out on a larger scale but i don't mm-hmm. think it's like a psychological like let's get them used to this and you know um i, I think it's a business i think it's more the business side than it is like them being loving and caring i think it's more like <laughs> let's make sure these dollars and cents line up so we don't waste tons of money working doing something where people are gonna just not like it yeah you're also more cynical than i am I'm hell like, yeah they're just they're just they're floating on dreams and just introducing us to a world of imagination yeah they're just priming our souls <laughs> world of we're, so we're ready and we're all friends yeah I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see, I could see either one. Um, but I didn't get, what, what do you think about the Imperial Super Commandos, Mike? They're cool. I have no problem with it. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. If Mandalorians get jetpacks, I don't know why the Empire wouldn't tap into that. Yeah. So it's like, I think they're cool and it yeah. makes sense that they're using it. So mm-hmm. it's always yeah. funny when some people have techn- a certain technology and it's weird when the rebels have a certain technology that the empire does not have because the rebels <laughs> are the scrappier, like, you know, rebels, right. They're not yeah, like this totally. well-funded machine. So I'm like, anytime they have a weapon, the empire doesn't have, 
mm-hmm. it feels weird. The Empire having the sophisticated weapons, that always feels right. Yeah. Um, but to close up Tristan's stuff, there was something interesting um, that they said that the idea of Sabine having a sibling had been a story thread evolving over the course of the series. In pre-production, Sabine was going to have a twin sister, sister hmm. named Sasha. Later, it was LOL, changed to a Sasha. Yeah, Sasha Red. Sasha and Trishan. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. <laughs> and then their other one, Kelly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but they changed it to a brother, and eventually his name was going to be Jonah Red. <laughs> Come on. I don't know who's Why is up this these so names. late? Why are they yeah. just making a, a bo- like a. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But Jonah Red. Red, 90210. Seriously, exactly. (laughs) Um, But Jonah Wren was originally going to be a protector, and he was going to be introduced in the Protector of Concord Dawn episode, but he was replaced by Fen Rao. Um, So instead of Fen Rao, we were originally going to get Sabine's brother in that role. So they, but they switched it around, obviously. Hmm. He's played by Ritesh Rajan, too, which I like to shout out the characters when we get new actors for that. We also meet Countess Ursa Wren, which Countess is dope. That's just a cool title for anyone to have. Well, I like it. I really like it, too, because yeah. it, it gives some, like, um, it's it, my favorite character in all of Star Wars is Count Dooku. But I, yeah. I don't, you don't see outside of his family, you don't see too many Counts or Countesses. Mm-hmm. So getting that, I was like, "Yeah, sweet!" Like that's yeah. a, it is a thing. That's totally cool. So we have actually seen her before mm-hmm. in a very minor role. She was part of Death Watch, which yeah. is the splinter group that opposed the pacifist government during the Clone Wars. Death Watch was eventually taken over by Maul and his Shadow Collective in the Clone Wars, and they took over ruling all of Mandalore, the planet Mandalore, and Ursa Ren. They say was present when Maul executed Death Watch's former leader Pre Vizsla in the episode mm. Shades of Reason. They so say. I think it was Dave Filoni who said that she is one of the Mandalorians standing in the background when Pre Vizsla is killed. So that's kind okay. of a fun touch that she was kind of like a terrorist group, and now yeah. that's kind of where they came from. But the Ren line is kind of interesting because it goes through Ursa. Um, which I think traditionally in things like Game of Thrones where these familial ties are passed down, you wouldn't think of it going through the female the female side of the family. Um, uh, yeah, I always like that. It feels fresh. Yeah, it's cool. And so, and I think it kind of makes sense too when you when you meet um, Aldrich Wren later on because he's kind of a weenie and Ursa's like way cooler <laughs> than him. <laughs> uh, but the Wren line goes through Ursa because ancestrally... They do not come from Mandalore. They were one of the houses that was originally conquered by the Mandalorians when they were colonizing the sector, but they adopted the way of Mandalore and became loyal to House Vizsla and part of Death Watch. They are respected warriors, and they come from a very well-respected, rich family. And so Aldrich Wren um, takes Ursa's name and marries into the Wren clan because... His house was not as powerful or cool as her house. So he's like, can I please be part of your house? <laughs> can <laughs> so I move in with your, your cool. par- you and your parents, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, but she is voiced by, sorry if I say this incorrectly, Sharmila Devar, who was a regular in the TV series Scandal. And for Mike, she played Harvard Rep in one episode of Gilmore Girls. 
Don't know who that is. Yeah, I just like pointing out whatever anyone's in Gilmore Girls for you. Thank you. I do appreciate it. <laughs> Gilmore Girls. I yeah, watched my girlfriend uh, watch that series. I could I could not stop talking crap about it. Yeah, it's it is annoyingly um never mind. <laughs> but I love it. But but I love it is the thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything specifically to say about the fight? Because like I don't actually have anything too interesting to say about it. No, it's it's weird. The only thing I'll say about it is it, it's weird that Sab- Sabine won't kill him. She walks yeah. away, and I have to think she's walking away, having to full well know that he is going to kill her. There's going to be no way he's just going to let her go. So it's, yeah. is she doing that, being like, okay, Mom, you finish this? or something yeah. or well, there's some conflicting stuff. Cause I really like the touch where earlier Ursa says, you know, you didn't win the dark saber in combat. So it's not rightfully yours. And yeah. so in this case, um, Saxon has the dark saber. He takes it and they fight. She has Ezra's lightsaber. So she does defeat him in combat, making mm-hmm. her the rightful owner of the dark saber. But there's kind of a question mark at the end because she doesn't actually finish him. He he definitely yields, but Ursa's actually the one who defeats him. Yeah. So she's maybe that plays into later on where she still doesn't feel like she is worthy of the dark saber mm. to one. Well, I, I think she she defeated him for sure. Yeah. She hundred percent totally. defeated him. She didn't kill him, so it's like semantic. But a I just don't get why she doesn't. It's I, it's yeah. yeah. I think it's the thing where like just in any kind of media where they don't want to like put a stain on the the main characters True. like honor and reputation. So they'll never have them kill somebody, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they'll have the environment yeah. kill them or someone else who like you don't care about kills them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except for Ursa's just like, I don't care. Get, get, get. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's right. I think, that, I think that's right. I think that would. Yeah. 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 That always pulls me out whenever that happens. Because yeah. it's just mean, so, I'm so used to seeing it. Yeah, the fight's very monumental, but I actually don't have a ton of notes about it. Um, she used a ton of, th- uh, I mean, there's a lot of callback to mm. the moves she is using. If you do one-by-one kind of side-by-side comparisons of when she was training with Ezra and Kanan, a lot of the yeah. moves she is busting out are moves they were using. Yeah. So... And one cool thing too that to to that point is she uses her van braces and she uses some of the new things we haven't seen. Like we see the shield for the first time, I think, and we see the flamethrowers, which is mm-hmm. totally cool. And but it's really important. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really important because she defeats Gar Saxton in a, in a sword fight. She doesn't take him down with her flamethrowers. Like it helps, obviously, but she beats him with superior sword fighting skills. So I think that goes more to the her being the rightful owner of the Darksaber now because she didn't use tricks. Kind of like Kano was saying, like, these are cute tricks that'll get you out of jam one, like every once in a while, but you'll die if you rely on them. And yeah. she didn't. Like, she really bested him in sword battle, which is fun. Yeah. I will also say I'm glad the ice didn't break. Yeah. Because there was so much. I hate when that happens. Like, peril, peril, yeah. peril. And so I'm glad they just like yeah. um, had that cool be a cool touch. It was good. It worked. It, that's like a it. It's a cool touch when yeah. it's not like, yeah, yeah. Visually, I thought this was all beautiful, and I like the ice breaking like as a visual thing. But I'm totally right. Like, I don't like the peril fatigue. I think is what you're referring to of just like, oh my god, and then someone's hanging off a cliff, and then a ship comes and they're shooting the cliff, and 
a snake's coming and bit him in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, my leg is full to burst yeah. of poison. Um, but I just have two more quick notes if anyone else has anything else. Um, and then we can wrap it up. Go for it. Cool. So there was an interesting musical touch when Sabine meets up with her mother for the first time. We hear a musical sample from the song Torn Apart, which is the song that plays when Kylo Ren meets Han again for the first time in Force Awakens. Mm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, that's that's great continuity. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, And then also, this is also Game of Thrones, like just the houses and the Mm. clans and stuff. And I thought it was interesting that the colors of Clan Ren, namely the gray, was a specific touch to show that the house has fallen on hard times. So you'll notice the cold and drab colors surrounding the house. And even in the terrain, it's like an ice planet. Things are very cool. And it is meant to symbolize their place in the politics of Mandalore since the Empire took over and Sabine left. That's so funny and so literal. I wish our world was like that. Oh, that guy's wearing green. He's a baller. (laughs) That's not how it works. Yeah. I'm sad right now. There's a rain cloud over the top of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but those are, we should, we should just note that Sabine has left the ghost crew at this point too. Mm-hmm. She is staying behind with her family. So we'll see how that develops. That's kind of an interesting wrinkle. Kind of made me feel some emotions. You're not coming with us. I'm done running away. My father's on Mandalore. We'll find a way to get him back. And then then maybe we can join the fight against the Empire. But right now, I can do more good here. I am so... Do not say you're proud of me. Me? Never. But I am going to miss you. We all will. Yeah. Um, Feel an emotion when someone leaves the party. Oh... Anyone else have any other notes before we close this up? Just I'm glad she left. I mean, it feels like, <laughs> like, uh, no, not like, not like I don't like her, but like it's it's a bold, uh, it's a bold story move. Yeah, and would have respected her left. It feels very Mandalorian too. It does. Yeah, I love that. That's a good point. All right. Well, how we end every episode is with a grading scale on our current least favorite thing to current most favorite thing in Star Wars. Um, And then we rate the episode on how we feel about it. Peter, do you want to give an example? Sure. So my favorite thing is Ray pulling the lightsaber out of the snow, whizzing across Kylo Ren's face in Force Awakens. My least favorite thing right now is everything C-3PO does at any time other than the original, other than in the original trilogy. This episode is Boba Fett dying like a loser, which tickles me to no end. (laughs) 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 Smacks into the side of the skip and just falls into the side like this. Yeah, like Han blindly just like poking it with a stick and that's how the the fearsome bounty hunter dies. (laughs) I love that. What's that great translation? That's an A plus for me. (laughs) Wow, A plus episode. That's awesome. Yeah, I really loved this episode. Um, okay, so my current least favorite thing is all the nineteen ninety everything about the nineteen ninety seven re releases mm-hmm. to um Obi Wan and Darth Maul's final battle here in a couple episodes. Four yep. episodes away. 
Um, I would rate this episode as a Django Fetch fighting Obi-Wan in the rain. Um, mm-hmm. Holding a Mandalorian there. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's a, a shining moment in a pretty darn bad movie. I think the universally agreed upon first movie in Star Wars. I disagree. Um, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> just want to voice my opinion. I disagree. What's the what's your least favorite movie? In I don't. Star Wars? I don't want to say because you're gonna not like me. I say it. I'll, what did you say? <laughs> I think Attack of the Clones is not as bad. I rewatched all the prequels recently, and Attack of the Clones is not as bad as I remember. Compare what's the what's the I bottom? I think Phantom Menace is way worse than I remember. <laughs> hmm. I, I also thought Revenge of the <laughs> Sith was worse than I remember too. Hmm. Uh, I used to think that was the yeah. best one by far, but I, I found that. Okay. This could be a black hole. I'm not going to jump into it. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to do some prequel bonus content. Yeah. I'm going to make you do some prequel bonus content in our off season. So we'll, we'll dive deep into all this stuff. All right. Well, there it is. Chris, <laughs> what would you, so yeah, my rating for this is that's about an A moment. Cool. A, a to A cool. minus. Chris, what would you give it? Um, so on a scale of my favorite thing in Star Wars being uh, the Empire Strikes Back, Dagobah, Yoda's um, philosophical teachings to Luke. Uh, That's my favorite thing in Star Wars. And my least favorite thing in Star Wars, uh, I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah, last time I said it, it was uh, the fact that Luke Skywalker uh, tries to kill Kylo Ren or tries to kill Ben Solo uh, in his sleep. Just, Mm -hmm. yeah, just so weird and out of character and total, yeah, worst thing in Star Wars. Um, I will give this one. the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith, where ultimately, very, very cool fight. I really, really enjoyed it. It's one of the high points of Star Wars for me, but there are a couple of things that make me cock my head to the side, <laughs> like when they do the force push to each other at the same time. So thick, though. Friend, you are crazy. Yeah, so that I think that's an A-. minus. All right, I like that. Cool. Sweet. Chris, do you have anything you want to promote? Um, well, I want to promote, of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Chris Sanchez two three six, and um, of course, I want to promote our uh, Star Wars D and D episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, everybody, keep listening to this podcast. Listen to Keep Calm and Game On for more of uh, Crystal Best stuff. And uh, yeah, keep your keep your eyes and ears peeled open. Yep, I got yeah. my dice ready for the next time we're. Rolling hard. Yeah, we are. We are. D and D is going to be up and running pretty hard, pretty fast, and pretty fun soon. I, I really, mm-hmm. I really, really excited about it. Um, but you can find us, of course, at Rebels Rebels Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we still have pins available. Go check those out. They're going to be moving to Etsy pretty soon. Away from our stores, are going to switch here in another second. Cool. Um, maybe some new merch will pop up soon. Who knows. Um, and you can email the show at rebelsrebelspot at gmail.com. We've been getting a lot of emails recently with a lot of good questions. Mm-hmm. They are not all from me and Peter. Um, I, we've <laughs> literally never gotten an email. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, until next time, remember, be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.